We interviewed Paul Rowe, the Outback historian, three times to talk about some of the influential people of faith who lived and served in the Outback. Our first interview with Paul was at the Royal Flying Doctors Museum in Dubbo to chat about the life, faith and legacy of John Flynn, the man who started the Royal Flying Doctors Service. Paul's depth of knowledge and passion for John Flynn's story is clear, and it's wonderful to learn more about this inspirational character. This story is one we don't want to let Australians forget. A person with deep faith who saw a great need and created an amazing institution that continues to save lives today. I'm Carl Fays, and this is my first interview with Paul Rowe. Paul, we're in Dubbo. What's this museum? It's telling the story of the Royal Flying Doctor Service, an absolutely unique thing in all the world and Australia has been gifted with it. Yeah, what's this plane? Why is this important? Well, it's a reminder of uh, how the Flying Doctor Service began with just simple planes like this uh, back in the 19, late 1920s, early yep. 1930s, as a way of reaching into the wilds of inland Australia to help people who were living in isolation. You, now you lived in Burke for a number of years but if you went 50 years before you were there, when Burke was uh, first settled, what was your options if something went wrong? Well, I had a mate who's, uh, he told me his grandmother before the turn of the 20th century, she lost nine out of 13 children living 100 miles out of Burke. Imagine how much heartbreak there oh, was gosh. in that family. Un incredible. And 100 miles out of Burke, you had nothing, didn't you? <clears throat> if you were on your own, husband was away driving or shearing or something, you got five or six kids, one gets sick, what do you do? You know? Most people would think that therefore the government came up with some way of fixing this problem, but the Royal Flying Doctor Service was not started by the government. Not at all. No, it grew out of the imagination of one young bloke, actually. Yeah. Wow, who was that? John Flynn. Uh, and uh, he lived in backcountry Victoria around Horsham uh, before the turn of the 20th century, uh, son of a school teacher. Uh, got a heart at 16 he got a call from God he thought I want to do something for Australia and uh, he went to Bible college didn't do all that well they, they sort of fluffed him out the door <laughs> uh, he ended up a circuit preacher in Gippsland and uh, so what's a circuit preacher well in John Flynn's case he was riding on horseback in sort of timber country in uh, Gippsland running Sunday schools maybe church services for bush people in lonely isolated places and one of the skills he developed was photography he was a really good photographer and there's a whole lot of his photographs in the National Archives, but yeah. he, he, he saw that he could use photographs to tell stories and he used what was magic lantern shows in those days and those funny little things. And he'd take them back into the cities that explain to city people how tough life was in the bush. Now, a lot of people would be, be going, this is not a good place to work. I want to get to the city where it's easier. But he, he actually developed this whole vision and ministry for people who are isolated. Well, he, yeah, he actually went to an even tougher assignment. Somebody talked to him about going to the back of South Australia. Wow. So that's where he sort of cut his teeth, I suppose, in the back of South Australia. Then he got a letter from the Northern Territory, came to the Presbyterian Church from a lady uh, called Litchfield. Jenny Litchfield sent him a, a letter saying, things are really rough up here. The blokes take the Aboriginal girls. The church is absent. Where are you? We need help up here. And... Uh, and also Jeannie Gunn, who wrote Weaver Never Never, wrote him a letter and said, we need men like you up here. Yeah. What did he start to do? Well, uh, initially, of course, there was no planes. This is before the First World War. He'd written a letter to his dad at 21 and said, you know, Dad, if the gospel of Jesus is the real thing, 
uh, we need to find a way of expressing it to the people of the bush. It's no good building churches out here. They need hospitals. So they could see that medical mm. help was the big thing. And he developed this little book called The Bushman's Companion, yeah. which is brilliant. He had recipes. He had how to run a burial service. He had poems. Um, yeah, who, who writes a book that has a how to do a burial service and a recipe and a poem in yeah, the same book? And write it first aid all in here and, and, a, and then a very clear statement about following Jesus. So that was the beginnings of the Flying Doctor service yeah, that grew out of that little book. It's very interesting, Paul, because that, that is a, an intriguing overlap, isn't it, of somebody who's practical mm. but also has a, a heart for the message of Jesus. Exactly. He borrowed a saying from another missionary Wilfred Grenfell over in Canada, he said, if you want to commend your gospel to men, you first of all do something for them that they understand. Yeah. And he, he was following Jesus in this because Jesus did things for people. You know, and then the message sort of flowed out of what he was doing. And I think that's what Flynn saw. He said, you do things for the bush people, then they'll listen to you. Yeah. Now, the Royal Flying Doctors had a few kind of hurdles to get over. One was clearly planes. But the other is actually communication. Yeah, well, the, the two things. I mean, the planes uh, like this uh, Hudson Fish, who began Qantas up in Longreach, um, he, he came on side quickly to help uh, Flynn develop this idea. And uh, then uh, the guy from Sunshine Harvesters in Victoria, H.V. McKay, these men came on side with money, with resources, with know-how about using planes. and. They worked on this idea of you can slide a patient in that side so door the, the there. So the patient comes in the door? Through the side door there, you know, and the doctor climbs in there, pilot's sitting outside and off they go. So it was pretty basic, but it was ingenious. And Australia, of course, is God-given to flying, as Nancy Bird told me once. She said, this country's God-given to flying because there's not a lot of bounds to bump into. It's all flat, you know. So it certainly suit, suited the outback. The original idea, I should say, came from a young guy who was going to the First World War. He wrote a letter to Flint, Clifford Peel. He said, you know, I think we could use planes as ambulances. And he died in the war, so he didn't get to see it. But Flint ran with it. That was his genius. He could take an idea and then he'd find people who could help him make it happen. So it's Hudson mm. Fish or it's H.V. McKay. And he was a great mobiliser of men and he was a great storyteller. Yeah. It's one thing to say, OK, we've got this patient... But if the patient is a long way away, there's no telephone system, no electricity. So one of the things Flynn had to deal with was communication. Absolutely. He used, one of his brilliant stories was a, a young guy who was injured in the back of Western Australia. Uh, his mates dragged him in on a cart 100 kilometres to a telegraph station. <laughs> telegraph operators on there, you know, giving Morse code to, Brit, to, uh, sorry, to Perth, 2,000 kilometres away. Doctors on the Morse code on the other end. You'll have to operate. What have you got? I've got a razor blade and some, and some Condi's crystals. So two men held him down. This bloke does this operation on this guy's gut. On Morse code? On Morse code, <laughs> getting instructions from Perth. Perth. Meanwhile, the doctor gets on the boat. He's 12 days getting up there. And when he gets there, the bloke had died that morning before he got there. So Flynn took yeah. that story yeah. and he told it all over Australia, saying that's why we need flying doctors. Yeah. What, how, did they, how did they overcome the communication issue? Well, um, he went to AWA, who were the big knobs in radio, and they said, he said, I need this. And they said, oh, I'll be decades before we get anything like that that anybody can use out there in the bush. He said, I haven't got decades, I need it now. So he found a young radio nerd down in, in a little shed down the back of uh, Adelaide, a guy called um, Alfred Traeger. And uh, together they sort of loaded up the Dodge and with all this gear, it's amazing, the pictures, and drove off into the 
back country of South Australia, across Queensland, putting aerials up trees, driving the generator off the back wheel of the car, trying to invent something that people could use, until one day Traeger hit on this idea of pedals. <laughs> we'll make you, we'll use pedals. So the pedal radio came into being, and that gave the dumb bush a voice, as somebody said. So women who were living in the bush on isolated stations suddenly could find safety and communications. What a what an amazing gift that was. So the pedal produces the power, like yep. like a bicycle pedal, and then they can use the Morse, Morse code, code with the yeah. pedal. Yeah. Now the intriguing thing is we think about that for the for the flying doctor service, but it actually had all sorts of uses, didn't it? Well, as they developed, of course, it grew into more sophisticated radio sets, and then they got the idea of well, kids could do lessons because one of Finn, Flynn's great dreams was to to make the bush habitable for families mm. and with families would come the expansion of industry and at a softening effect on the bush because blacks can live like dogs in the bush but the women can't and uh, so he, his goal was to bring uh, a civilizing effect that women can bring to the bush softening effect and to equip them with radio and school was brilliant you yeah. know so the school of the air grew out of that it's now distance education yeah but all these things came out of a little idea like this that grew one seed yeah and what it spread to we started with one plane with the, the flying doctor service what has it developed into well right now there's 77 aircraft uh, about 10 million dollars a piece uh, flying ambulances and uh, it's an amazing thing my little grandson was flown from Burke to Dubbo to Sydney and back twice in a month uh, probably, I said to my daughter-in-law, maybe 70 medical people have worked on your little boy in that time. Where else does that happen in the world? So yeah. they're the sort of, sorts of things that happen. But along with that comes, there's clinics they run. They run mental health clinics for people in the bush because isolation, depression, suicide's very present out there. Um, dentistry, so you get... Um, uh, Clinics are set up in different small towns and people sign in and the flying doctor will come in for the day. And uh, so they serve the people like that as well. What was, at the bottom level, Flynn seemed to have a couple of key motivators. What were they? Well, as I said, it began with his heart to serve God, but then he's, he could see that it wasn't enough just to sort of preach sermons. He needed to express a sermon. So from the smallest detail, if he was on a station, he would stop to fix somebody's clock, you know, or he'd teach his padres to, if you're going to be on the station, don't just preach to the men, go out and work with them. And then at night, learn to smoke a pipe, because when you pull out a pipe and the men pull out their pipes, they're ready to talk. He could read the needs of the people down to the smallest detail and also to see the big picture, that was his genius, and to then to mobilise people to do things. The second thing that Flynn did, and this came out of his heart for pastoral care was that he put not only just a mantle of safety medically across Australia, but he put a mantle of safety spiritually across Australia. So there was a second level of uh, care and that was the padres that he put on the ground who travelled uh, all across the back country visiting stations and visiting people and looking after their, their needs. So And then dotted all across the outback of course were small hospitals uh, like in, in Aminka or somewhere like that and he put two girls usually together, so they weren't too lonely, and they would be serving a whole region there. So some very brave women went out there to serve with Flynn. And they didn't just run hospitals, they ran Sunday schools, they ran libraries, they, they sort of brought a whole level of community 
uh, around the hospital. And that was one of the great gifts he gave to the lonely, isolated people of the bush. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry of Olive Tree Media. Our vision is to create a library of resources that tell the story of the game-changing message of Jesus. This interview was recorded for our latest documentary, Faith Runs Deep. Our other award-winning series, Jesus the Game Changer and Towards Belief, plus many other small group, church and school series are available on our Watch Plus platform for a small monthly partnership. As you partner with us, you not only get access to compelling video content and interactive discussion guides, but you also support the creation of more resources that help share the gospel message. To become a partner and get access to Faith Runs Deep, visit olivetreemedia.com.au. Tell me about where the Padres and these nurses came from. Well, that's a good question. Uh, he, got, he got them from all over the country. Perhaps the f- most famous one I know of was a guy called Fred McKay who became his uh, successor. Fred McKay was a, a good-looking, successful preacher on the Gold Coast of all places. Was, he was a lifesaver. And he came out of the surf one day. There's John Flint sitting on the beach in his suit, watch chain, you know, pipe, waiting for him on bag, on bird hat. And he starts chatting to Fred. He'd heard about him and he said, you know, Fred, He's, he's got a handful of sand, he's running the sand through his fingers. He said, you know, Fred, the sand out of Birdsville is a lot nicer than this. <laughs> so, he said, I, I couldn't believe it. He said, next thing I find myself in a car alongside John Flynn driving at the back of Birdsville. He said, it was the adventure of my life, you know. And uh, so, John, so John Flynn didn't sort of stop being a, a minister of, of religion and, and start running no. the Royal Flying Doctor Service. He, he, this was just one of the things he was doing. Well, uh, he didn't always find it easy going with the church. He had a lot of people who were opposed to him because they could see this is very expensive. This is not our main work. Our main work is to be preachers and theologians and that sort of thing. And what are we doing, you know, starting hospitals and flying planes and goodness knows what else. Uh, although he always had in mind that he, somebody would have to take this over. The government would eventually have to take this over because it's very expensive to fly planes. Um, and the Presbyterian Church wasn't always on side, but eventually he did become the moderator. He was sort of the head honcho. Um, so he, he was always loyal to the Presbyterian Church, but church committees weren't always the easiest thing to, to manage. He found it a lot easier to manage people in the bush. And that was the great thing too, that a lot of people who wouldn't have called themselves Christian uh, understood what he was doing. Fred McKay told a great story about first time he called the plane in, it landed up at Cloncurry at a... At a race meeting and a boy, his brains were smashed out. So he said, oh, the plane lands, the doctor gets out. He's pushing this boy's brain back into his head and wrapping it up. And they fly him off. And he said, there's these two old disreputable bushies sort of standing there watching this plane fly off. And one bloke says, you know what that is, mate? And the other one says, no, what is it? He said, that's the flying Christ. That's what that is. <laughs> so they understood. Yeah. That, that's a brilliant inside isn't it that yeah. they understood that this is what jesus would do yeah. uh, and i think those two blokes and a lot of the people in the bush if you talk to them they'll say to you yeah that that's that's christianity like it's got its sleeves rolled up it's out here with us it's not sitting in a nice comfortable church on the gold coast but it's actually in the dirt and the dust and the flies out here 
doing things for us. I mean, you think of Flynn building, he built a hospital with his own hands at Alice Springs out of stone, brilliant design. It's said that Flynn is the most memorialised Australian, is that right, and how? Well, probably, well, until a couple of years ago, every day people were handing a $20 note and there's his face on the $20 note. Um, why would you put him on there, you know? Because he's a man of vision and faith, but most people don't know it. Yeah. Uh, but all across the outback, you'll find museums like this, you'll find statues or monuments or his grave out at uh, Alice Springs. He's got a great big rock on the top of it. I took a group of schoolboys from the coast out there to Alice Springs on a trip, following the story of John Flynn through the museums, trying to give them an idea of the country and the kind of thing, the breadth of what he did. Now, these kids live somewhere between their iPad and McDonald's down on the coast. And so this was kind of pretty intimidating. So, but I stood those boys beside John Flynn's grave and I said, I want you to pick up a bit of quartz off the ground and put it on John Flynn's grave as a way of recognising a great Australian, because you can see what he did, the, the school of the air, the flying doctor. But I want you to think about, he was 16 years old, your age, when he, he first of all thought, I want to do something. He didn't know what it was going to be, but he put his hand up and said, oh, I'm, I'm going to have a go. I want you boys to think, and you could pray a prayer right now and say, God, I want to use my life for something. You know, the interesting thing was those kids who, was, like I said, they're kind of focused on their screens. I think they squared their shoulders, you know, and they, they started to think, yeah, I want to, I want to make my life count. And that's, what I, that's why I love this story and stories like this, because I want to see young men and women in Australia catch a vision of what they can do. You know, one young kid starts with an idea like this mm. and it grows into this. Um, what could you do, I said to them, you know, what could you do for this country with the gifts that God's given you? Mm. Don't waste your life. Don't let it slip through. Uh, Flynn used to quote another poem which, would said, which said, uh, How dull it is to pause and make an end, to rust unburnished and not to shine with use, as if to breathe was life. You know, make your life count for something. Yeah. And that's what I think this is an expression of one young man's faith who wouldn't be daunted, you know, and he got blokes like Alfred Trager to come alongside and invent a radio or a Hudson Fish to sort of say, yeah, we can make this thing fly. And women who'd go out there and live in these isolated places to serve the people of the outback. What a wonderful gift we've got here in Australia. And it makes me angry to think that people are dismissing the church's input into Australia as if oh, they've only interfered and caused trouble and, you know, they're a problem. The sooner we get rid of it, the better. They have got no idea this is just one example of many of what men and women of courage and faith and self-sacrifice because they gave up their lives to this, to make this happen. Uh, why are they being dismissed? Why are they being, why is their reputation being trampled on? It's not good enough. And I think it's time we stood up and said, excuse me, I know there are bad things that have happened, but what about this story? And I want to see young people inspired to say, yep, I can do something too. Thank you for joining me on this podcast as I unearth stories of faith in Australia. To watch the full Faith Runs Deep series and all Olive Tree Media content, go to olivetreemedia.com.au and sign up to the Watch Plus platform and partner with us today.